I mean, this is the last stand. You're listening to The Unfiltered. Well, I hate to say I told you so. There's nothing to be done besides to get on Twitter and tweet to all my dumbass followers. (laughs) But I told you so. Hey, I told you so. The controversial. He's a dumbass. He can't do math. He's an idiot. He gets his hair cut at Walmart. Look at that shitty haircut. The realest podcast in the Southeast. Let the dogs loose. <laughs> Let the goons be goons. 11 in a row. 11 in a row. 11 in a row. Enough. Eh, eh, 38 in a row. As in 38 on this point when we were whipping that ass. Ranch gang, stand up. The holy war is upon us. Welcome to Reed's Ranch, the podcast with Seth Hughes. Like, just quit acting like this is any fun at all. A special basketball preview edition of Reed's Ranch coming at you Sunday morning, November 22nd. The football team embarrassed us again, but have no fear. Basketball is here on Wednesday our basketball expert, Will Warren, the stats guru, excellent preview you put up last week. How long did that take you to write, Will? Uh, I think I worked. I worked on it for about a week, something like that. Okay. So it, it was a lot of prep. It's not. It's not like overly difficult to do because I remembered most of it from last year, but it is intensive. Excellent as always. Up on StatsByWill.com. But you should be, like, ready to go now. You should be equipped with enough knowledge to carry this podcast. Yes, this this is true. (laughs) Let's start somewhere positive. Tell the people something positive about this basketball team. I I mean, I think the obvious thing is that they have just a way higher ceiling than last year's team. Because the last last time anybody saw Tennessee basketball play, they were getting embarrassed on their home court by Auburn. I feel pretty confident that's not going to happen again just because Tennessee is a much deeper, more talented, better roster on the whole. Uh, I especially think the upside is very high defensively for this roster. You say the ceiling is higher. How high is the ceiling? Let's just start there. Can this team go to the Final Four? Sure. I mean, it, the I, I have difficulty making predictions for the NCAA tournament without seeing the field. But I think, obviously, if they get the right draw, of course they could make the Final Four. Anything can happen as long as you win your first couple games. Okay. So still draw-dependent, which I guess only a few teams uh, aren't. Everyone else is kind of matchup and draw-dependent. So I do think this team, what, what I'm most excited about, Will, as I get ready to watch them, is it should be pretty versatile. It should be able to go super big or super small and succeed in both at least on paper agree or disagree yeah agree i mean tennessee should be able to because i mean if you remember the out of conference games last season uh barnes was barely playing a six-man rotation for the majority of those games whereas this year you feel very confident tennessee is going to enter each game with an eight-man rotation at minimum be able to play Corey walker some to get it to nine uh, i guess if you gotta you can play like Gaines or kamwa to get it to 10 or 11 but the, the thing is, you're not giving Gaines and Kamwa the minutes you were last year, which is already a huge improvement, because neither one of them gave you anything at all offensively. Yeah, so you don't think Gaines will play at all? I mean, now that we have other guards that can play defense, like it's been something that the coaching staff has really tried to 
talk about, but both Keon Johnson and Jaden Springer uh, apparently are really taking defense seriously. So maybe there's no need for a guy who is only a defensive player. I I, th- I think he'll get some play at least, and he should. It, but the thing is, you know, we we got to see him take some shots last year, and it really did feel miraculous when one went in. So unless that's improved greatly over the last uh, eight or so months, it's just really hard to see him get more than like you know seven eight minutes a game of that. Do we trust Rick Barnes? How is how would you grade Barnes over the years in terms of handling his rotations? Because you know, this will be the deepest team, which is good, but can also be bad if you have 11 guys you're trying to figure out and, you know, you're trying to make them work. I feel like the first month of the season might be a little rough experimenting when it comes to that. Hopefully you haven't figured out, though, by conference play. Yeah, uh, I would like to be a little more confident on this front than I am, simply because the last time we saw Tennessee in the NCAA tournament, they entered the overtime not playing Grant Williams uh, because he had four fouls, and uh, that was that did not go so well. So I, I think, more, more importantly, I think that he'll be able to figure out the key players, but it really does come down to, will he put them in the position to succeed in a close game in the tournament? And that's still the question Tennessee has got to answer. Fair or not to judge this season just on the tournament? I don't usually like doing that, but it is the elephant in the room it is the cloud hanging over Rick Barnes in his last you know 15 years as a head coach you know ever since the the TJ Ford final four hasn't gotten back how many elite aces he having that time one since then one yeah the uh DJ Augustine team I think made the elite eight right so I mean like you know hasn't gotten back hasn't really gotten close to getting back except once is it fair or not just to judge Rick Barnes that way uh, is you said this Tennessee team has a high ceiling in terms of having Final Four potential. Is it deep tournament run or bust for you? No, I'm not crazy about that because uh, you know that it's kind of such a strange sample to judge coaches on. Because if you did that, you would say Bill Self isn't nearly as good as people think, or you know, prior to two years ago, Tony Bennett was not a good coach. It's a weird way to judge coaches, in my opinion, but I get it because it is kind of the only thing anyone can agree on to judge a coach by. But for me personally, what I'm watching for is Tennessee needs to win one or both of the regular season or conference tournament SEC titles. That Those are very important to me. Tennessee and Kentucky, clear-cut favorites in the SEC? Yeah, uh, which is – it is kind of strange because Kentucky – literally returns nobody from last year's team so it's a whole fresh start for them but you kind of just have to give Kentucky the benefit of the doubt uh Florida is the other team I'm curious about because Florida returns a ton from last year's team has good recruits has a lot to work with but their coach is Mike White and until uh Mike White figures it out there's kind of an upper ceiling on that yeah they return a lot of people unfortunately one of them is their head coach (laughs) Billy Donovan. I, I thought Billy Donovan would just sit out and lick his chops and wait for that Florida job, but he went back to or he went to Chicago. So that takes a little bit of fun out of this college basketball season for me. Although, like obviously, we don't want Billy Donovan back at Florida, but I did think that made sense for him. Well, he still could, couldn't he? I mean, John Beeline was with the Cavs for half a season. It it can always happen where Billy D crashes out. I, I don't imagine Billy Donovan will be in the locker room making racial comments. You never know. You never know till you know.
I just don't see that with Billy Donovan. I don't see him being in there uh, calling his players thugs and talking about how they shouldn't listen to rap music and uh, all that stuff. I don't imagine he'll lose the locker room as quickly as Billy Donovan did. But, yes, I guess technically he could. Although I think that you know the fact he went from the Thunder to another NBA job makes me think that he wants to stay in the NBA. Probably, but it, it could always happen. So Tennessee and Kentucky. I mean, you talked about Kentucky. They lost a lot of guys. Kind of inexplicably had two first-round picks. Late first-round picks, though. Uh, so they're not necessarily replacing top-end talent, but they are they are replacing good college players. I mean, you know, Nick Richards was a good college player. Um, They're coming and relying pretty much on what? Freshmen and then a big transfer from Wake Forest. Is that right? Yes. Well, they, they got another guy late in the game, Davion Mintz from uh, Creighton, who uh, he, he sat out last season and he's eligible to play this year. But, I mean, yeah, the starting lineup as it stands is two freshmen, a sophomore, and the two transfer seniors. But the entire bench is freshmen. So it's – I think normally I would be able to give more – like I said, more of the benefit of the doubt towards them for, like, SEC title purposes – but in the midst of a pandemic where they really haven't had that much time to gel together, it's different. Uh, I could see them really struggling for like the first month or two and only figuring it out towards the very end. Just a typical Calipari team, kind of. Um, that, yeah, that checks it, out. It, it feels like they're going to be like a five seed and then still get to the Elite Eight. Now, how high is their how high is their talent right now, though? Because I mean, like I said, last year it was lacking in the top tier. You know, like you just had to watch the NBA draft this week to see their first pick went, what, 21st, I think. So this year, I mean, I know they got the, uh, what's his name? Boston, is it BJ Boston? What's his name? Brandon Boston? BJ Boston. BJ Boston. Like he's a top five pick, right? I mean, he should be pretty, pretty good. Yeah, they've compared him to Brandon Ingram, which seems uh, very good. <laughs> just like, is he, so he's just really long and link, lanky. Yeah, can pull up from anywhere. He he is. A, I mean, to be honest, he's probably the odds-on favorite for you know the best freshman in the SEC, even above uh, Johnson and Springer. But I mean, like you mentioned, beyond that, that's probably their only likely lottery pick of the one and dones. Like Terrence Clark could be, but it would be right on the edge, kind of like Maxie's case was. Whereas on the other side, the good guys, the ones in orange. They have two potential lottery picks, two guys getting, you know, projected as lottery picks. So you you would you would take is the talent difference between Boston and Johnson wide enough where you say that, you know, Kentucky still has more talented a, a duo, a freshman duo or can Tennessee match them or be better than them? I think Tennessee at least matches them and I think they're honestly in a better position to succeed than Boston or Clark because they're not entering a team where they are expected to be the primary driver of the offense. You know, Tennessee can still run things through Vescovi, Fulkerson, Pons, uh, and Springer and Johnson can kind of learn their way around things for the first month or two before they're the ones taking the game ending shots. Whereas Kentucky is going to be relying on Boston from the first uh, minute of the season. Like, they are going to be relying on him to drive the offense, drive the team forward, and that can be a really rocky process for a guy who just turned, you know, 19 or whatever. Have you dived, dived, dove into how Rick Barnes has handled talented freshmen before? Because I've been trying to think about it. Like, obviously, he took the the reins off of Kevin Durant, but Kevin Durant was kind of an alien. In the past, like, I looked up Rick Barnes, a lot of his draft picks, and, and most of them were two-year guys. He had very few one-and-done guys that really succeeded. 
Uh, like I said, Durant, he took the reins off him. Miles Turner was one and done. Is there anybody else that I'm missing? Does Barnes usually let the freshmen just run the team, or is this still going to be kind of a veteran-laden team, and we hope that the freshmen are up and running by you know February or March? Uh, it's kind of hard to judge because, you know, I mean, like you mentioned, he hasn't really had this type of freshman at Tennessee to date. I mean, the last well, the last lottery pick he had as a freshman was Miles Turner, right? Or did Miles Turner go right outside of the lottery? He was lottery ish, but I think he was a lottery pick. But I mean, if not, he was right outside it. He was in the teens somewhere. Yes, yeah, so, but that's like one in the last ten years. So it, I, I think it's kind of it's probably going to have to be veteran laden to start, just because that's what we expect from Barnes. He kind of relies on the older guys to lead the team before letting the younger guys take the reins. Uh, but I, I personally am fine with that when, you know, your older guys are Fulkerson and Ponds. You can generally trust them to lead and push the team forward as the freshmen figure it out. Because you are just going to have freshmen make small mistakes. Uh, you know, you hope it's like it's like when Vescovi came in in the midseason last year. It's a different thing, but it's similar in the fact that Vescovi showed those flashes of being great, showed those flashes of being able to drive offensive production, but was still turning it over seven times a game. But by the end of the season, he he paired those turnovers down and was generally just more efficient. Miles Turner was the 11th pick. So, yeah, he was a uh, lottery pick. Uh, true or false, Tennessee won't make the Final Four or the Elite Eight if John Fulkerson is their best player. Uh, false. Uh, again, it's still, it's still draw-dependent, as it is with all but about two or three teams. Um, I mean, Fulkerson... It still feels like he continues to be underrated for some reason. He is a legitimately great player uh, to have on your team. You know, maybe by the end of the season, you don't want him taking 20 shots a game, of course. But if he's the leading scorer, I don't feel like that's a huge problem. He is still one of the most efficient players in the SEC offensively. Please put me on record right now that if he is our leading scorer at the end of the year, then this team is not going deep in the tournament. Like, I think, I think, you know, maybe like for the full season, that's fine. But like in conference play, I don't want Fulkerson being our leading scorer. I want, I think our best player has to be one of these guards if Tennessee is going to be elite. Now we can be good. We can still be good. We can still be hovering around the top of the SEC. But I just think that uh, we need one of these freshmen to be as good as advertised if Tennessee is going to do something they've never done before. I think that's fair. I mean, by the end of the season, you hope that one of Johnson or Springer is at worst the second leading scorer in SEC play. Um, but I, I don't think it's necessarily a problem if Fulkerson is the leading guy. Uh, I, I do think you have a good point in that I feel like we've seen very few Final Four Elite Eight teams where the front court is leading the scoring. That doesn't feel very common anymore. It was 10 years ago, but not now. Yeah. And like I mean, you know, Fulkerson, I'm not, I'm not trying to disparage him. Obviously, he's a, he's going to be a key part of Tennessee's success. He has to be the leader on this team, and especially early in the season, I would like to see him carry this team. But you know, I just think that if we're going to take a step, the guard play is going to have to be what carries Tennessee. I think that's, I think that's obvious. And you know, Keon Johnson, he hasn't, uh, you know, he hasn't played yet, but he has gotten a lot of hype, and you know, he has gotten a lot of draft hype too. You know. Hype here for Tennessee. Well, I, th I think it's notable that 
when uh, Volquester two four seven one was talking about the projected starting lineup for the first game, it was Johnson and not Springer that they expected to start, and that seemed like they expected Springer to be the seventh man, which is unique. It's it's interesting to me because Johnson was ranked slightly behind Springer in most recruiting stuff, right? Yeah, but I mean, but basically, since he's got to campus, it's all it's all been about Keon Johnson, right? I mean, he's been the one getting all the praise. He's the one, you know, last year or earlier this year. Springer was still ahead of him in mock drafts, but now Keon is the one getting buzzed for being a top three or four pick. So, I mean, like, Keon came off an injury last year, right? So, I mean, like, he, he I guess, was a little bit behind because of that. But, yeah, no, I mean, I think everyone expects more of him than Springer at this point, although you are correct, Springer was ranked higher. Yeah, I, I think he's going to be it, – it's been – it's been interesting to me that – you know, you can kind of tell how the buzz is going to go by, you know, at least for the stats people I follow, like based on who they're writing about. And I think I've seen three articles on Johnson alone in the last month. I have high expectations for him. So should I? Because like I said, when you look at Barnes's history, a lot of his guys, it takes them two years to click. The only exclusion being Kevin Durant. And Miles Turner, I guess. So you could say just, you know, the tall big men that they had. Yeah, I, I think there's, you could have some concerns, but I mean, I'm I, obviously this has been years ago, so I'm not going to recall perfectly, but I really don't feel like Barnes had like top five, top 10 recruits all that consistently at Texas. It was like a lot of top 30 to 40 guys. Like they, ha I remember them having a lot of like high end four stars. Glass half full. Second year breakout for Josiah Jordan James. Let's talk about him. Correct. I I I think he. It's kind of strange because I feel like he's become a tad underrated. Um, I th I think he got dumped on so much last year. Well, I wouldn't say he's rated. I wouldn't say he's. I wouldn't say he's rated at all at this point by Tennessee fans. By most of them. I mean, I yeah. think he is kind of a an afterthought for a lot of guys. I think he could still be really really good now that he has. When I watched him last year. He kind of uh, felt like Vescovi in the sense of these guys can't carry a team, but I think both Vescovi and Josiah Jordan-James can really thrive with better teammates, and I think this year they're going to have much better teammates. Yeah, well, and but I think especially James has got to play a lot because he was, I mean, by some margin to me, the best backcourt defender Tennessee had last year. I don't think that's, um, you know, I don't think that's wrong at all. I mean, I think that's completely fair. So, I mean, like, you know, I, I do think Tennessee could be really exciting if these guards, these freshman guards especially, are as good on defense as everyone's acting because you throw in James, you throw in uh, Pines. That's a really good and really versatile wing collection. That has to get you excited if you're Rick Barnes. That has to get you excited if you're a fan. Yeah, I mean, I would say certainly from night one, if you're just looking at it, offense versus defense, I think Tennessee's defense is going to be a little bit ahead. They, they just have the depth, the pieces. I mean, obviously, they're turning defensive player of the year in the SEC helps. But you have like a backcourt that's as deep as that 2017-18 team, if not deeper defensively. Back when they were still playing, you know, like four guys, they, had, they could easily slide into the backcourt at any time and be fine. You know, this time they should have four or five they can slide in and be able to match up one-on-one -on -one very well. I do still worry about Vescovi defensively and against better opponents, 
they've got to find ways to hide him unless he really has taken massive steps forward. Is it fair for me to be concerned that he is going to be the lost man in the rotation? I think you're going to see Bailey be more reliable, less flashy, uh, probably better at defense. I, I feel like Vescovi is going to be the one. That, if, if there is a criticism early about Barnes's rotation, I, I would say it's because we're not going to get a lot of Vescovi. Yeah, so like I mentioned in the article, Vescovi defensively in conference play last season, Tennessee was almost 15 points worse per 100 possessions defensively when Vescovi was in the game. That's not it's good. it's not all him. Huh? I said that's not good. No. <laughs> and that's what – but, I mean – the 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 thing is, you know, that can be a little luck based. Maybe opponents just shot a lot better when he was in the game for whatever reason. Tennessee can't exactly control opponent three point shooting percentage, but I, I think part of it is that they really are going to have to find the. My comparison is always like the Andre Roberson type on a team. If an opponent has that, you just have to stick Vescovi on the lowest usage guy possible and hope for the best. Kind of like, I mean, just, uh, you know, making it more relatable. Watch what the Warriors would do with the Spurs. Or what the what the Warriors would do with Curry, basically. And, like, what the Hawks would do with Trey Young. Just take a really bad defender and just put him out there on anybody that – or the, the worst person on the court, essentially. The least non-offensive threat. Yeah. Uh, that's that's just what they're going to have to do because – uh, it could be a deal where Vescovi has gotten much better and is much more adjusted to the style of college basketball play. Because, I mean, he did come in in the middle of a season, which is kind of, I mean, it is the second time I've seen it at Tennessee with Jarnell Stokes, but it is a little unprecedented for that to happen. Um, yeah, I, I, you have to hope he's gotten a lot better because otherwise, like you mentioned, there is the potential that he is just exclusively an offensive guy and you can't play him for large stretches of games against really good offenses. I just think Barnes is going to always side on defense. So I think if you're looking for a tiebreaker on who's going to be in the rotation, I think he's going to go with defense. I truly think that. That could be the case. I I would hope not because if he goes exclusively defense, that does open the potential for some real ugly offensive lineups where it's like Gaines, Pons, and Fulkerson all in the court at the same time. That should never ha- that should never happen. Yeah, unless unless you uh, unless- hopefully that doesn't happen. Yeah, <laughs> well, it did happen last year. Unless you're out there with Springer and Johnson, just letting those guys go to town. Like you can live with that. You can live with Gaines being out there if you know you have two other good offensive players in the uh, backcourt. What do you think the best lineup is going to be? What do you think the first? Have we have we seen the first starting lineup? Have we we haven't had that announced yet, right? No. Uh, let me pull it up from the Vol Hoops 2020 thread. If you're a Discord user. Uh, because brother Chris Kilby posted the uh, five guys that they think they're going to be starting, but it was uh, it was Pons, Fulkerson, James, Vescovi, and Johnson are the first five they expect. Pons, Fulkerson, James. Okay, yeah, I mean that that, that checks out. Yeah, we're and then Bailey, Springer, Anasiki all getting large minutes off the bench. We haven't talked about Anasiki yet. They've been praising Anasiki's toughness. And his rebounding. How big of a contributor do you think he'll actually be on this team? Pretty good one. I mean, I don't know how many minutes per game he's going to get. It could be a duel where he's getting like, you know, 10 to 15 or whatever. But pound for pound, he's already the best rebounder on the roster. I, I wrote about him once the transfer happened back in March or April or whatever. But 
the key at Sacred Heart, I mean, he's only six foot six, but he was regularly getting like eight, nine, ten, eleven rebound games against really good opponents. Like he he was beating taller and better guys on the board. So there there is something about rebounding that some guys get and some others don't. Uh, it reminds me of Dennis Rodman knowing which way the ball was going to bounce when it hit the rim. Just uh, watch me in the Reed's Ranch, you know, basketball league. I am an elite rebounder. That's true. Lack athleticism, you, lack height, but I am an elite rebounder. Rebounds and threes. Attempted now, threes. It, the, the rebounds are good. <laughs> you hit more threes than I do. That's true. That's true. But like uh, at a 30% yeah. clip. With, uh, myself and Gaines would have a lot in common basketball-wise, I think. Uh, and, yeah, Anasiki, he seems like a guy who is going to always stay in the rotation, even if he doesn't contribute a ton offensively, just because he is that good on the boards. And Tennessee, uh, otherwise, doesn't really have that elite rebounder, right? No, I mean, like, he is going to that... be the first big off the bench. I think that's going to be his role all year, right? I mean, for either Fulkerson or Pines, depending on... I don't know how much you'll see Fulkerson and Anasiki play together. We'll see. Uh, you know, we'll see. That'll be dependent on if either one of those guys have added any type of jump shot, which I don't know if Anasiki has a jump shot anyways, but we'll see if, you know, Fulkerson's added a jump shot or if Anasiki has one. I think that's the only way those two can really play together. But otherwise, I would say Anasiki will be in for when Fulkerson's on the bench. Anasiki does have a bit of a jump shot. He's, he's like right under 30% from three in his career, which is obviously not good. But when I was watching the games he played at Sacred Heart, he had a good jumper off the dribble. Like, he would pull up from 15 feet pretty frequently. And I'm not, like, a huge mid-range guy, obviously, but uh, that would add something to where he would be able to play with Fulkerson if needed. Okay. We haven't talked about maybe the most important player on the team yet. Uh, you know, I talked about how I don't think Fulkerson can be our best player and us to expect to have a deep run. Um, I said maybe it has to be Keon Johnson, but I do think it could also be Pons. I think Pons could take a leap offensively and be the best player on this team. And if he does take that leap offensively and he is the best player on this team, you are looking at him potentially being conference player of the year type of talent. I'm excited about Pons. He worked hard. He improved his three-point percentage so drastically last year. I mean, from 28% on you know less than uh less than one attempt per game his sophomore year up to you know 35 percent on almost three attempts per game that was a added weapon he came back from a weak draft he joined a strong NBA draft next year so the pressure is going to be on him to really improve offensively and I think when we've seen his growth from year to year he is somebody who works He is somebody who gets better. Obviously, he works. I mean, look at the body, guys. Look at the body that Pons has. He's obviously in the gym working all the time. If he comes back and he's even better from three, he's even better offensively, I think he could be the best player on this team and be the key that unlocks, you know, a Final Four trip. Sure. I mean, he has the DK Metcalf basketball body. Look at the body, Will. (laughs) Look at Pons' body. He works. This guy's a grinder. Well, I, th- I think it's the key to me, like you mentioned, is last year I feel like he really diversified his offensive game in a way that we hadn't seen before. We had seen him, like, we'd seen him be able to cut to the basket. We'd seen him be able to roll off of a ball screen. But we really hadn't seen him take a ton of threes 
or, you know, work the ball inside. He's still got to improve dribbling wise. I think he commits a lot of turnovers that way, but he's, he's gotten better. Um, I think it is just going to have to be a continued thing of he's got to be a little more efficient of a three-point shooter. He's got to attack the boards a little more. He's got to be more comfortable just shooting, period, because, you know, one of the common themes I feel like I've noticed through his play is that there are large stretches of games where he does appear a little afraid to shoot. Like, he'll have an open shot and then pass out of it to, you know, James or whoever. Sure. But, I mean, we talked about the turnovers, and you're right. They uh, were a... You know, we talked about the increases he made statistically, th- shooting threes and scoring and all that. He also had his turnovers go you know, up to 1.6 per game. So, yeah, he was turning the ball over quite a bit. But I will say that he was probably having to handle, handle the ball too much because Tennessee had such a lack of ball handling. They had such a lack of guards. That shouldn't be that big of an issue this year. Pond should be much more comfortable offensively, either on the block or slashing or just catching shooting threes You know that he is getting wide open looks at. I would think he should be unlocked pretty, uh, you know, pretty significantly here offensively. It, it it goes back to the shot quality stuff I mentioned in the preview, because Tennessee is going to have this. This is honestly the best backcourt they'll have had. Uh, I mean, in a very long time. I don't want to say what year out of uh, potentially embarrassing myself, but because that backcourt is going to be so deep, because they'll be able to penetrate the paint so well. Pons is going to have way more open shots than he did last year. And he got a good amount of open shots off of those little pick-and-pop plays he ran with Vescovi or Bowden. He could get double the amount of those he had last season. I don't know how many times I want him shooting a pick-and-pop, but like him rolling, I think you know, getting uh, good passes, having guards that can break a defense down consistently, I think should just open him up around the rim. Really, easy, you know, open him up there too. So like... I think Pons can be our best player, and I do think we could be a Final Four team with Pons being our best player, assuming that he has continued to improve because, guys, he works. Check his body out. Jake Tidwell asks in the Discord, patron Jake, patreon.com slash Reed's Ranch. If you want access to that, it'll be fun for basketball, and Will will have some of his previews be exclusive to our patrons. He asks both of us, is there anything we are looking for in the season opener? Yes. Okay. So for if you're just dialing in from uh, football land, the season opener on Wednesday is Charlotte. I'll have the pre up, the preview up Wednesday at 12 p.m. Eastern, just in time for Brother John's radio show. Uh, Charlotte is a very unique opponent on the Tennessee schedule in that they are the only opponent Tennessee draws who plays a pack line defense, which is what Virginia runs, which is why that's the Virginia defense that has, you know, led Ken Palm like five, six years in a row now. Uh, their head coach was Virginia's lead assistant for the last nine seasons. But the the reason I'm really intrigued is that, one, this is a defense Tennessee doesn't really draw anywhere else, that teams will run elements of this. And what the pack line is, is they draw like an imaginary line 18 feet from the basket, and the defenders do not go past that no matter what. Uh, and it forces opponents to shoot over the top. So basically, Tennessee's going to have a lot of look, a lot of open looks from three. Yes, and the reason why I'm curious about this is, I, I mentioned, you know, I mentioned the preview. You know, you have a lot of confidence in Viscovi to shoot the three. You've got a lot of confidence in Bailey to shoot the three. But who is that third and even fourth guy who is going to consistently make threes for Tennessee? That is the mystery that I want to see at least the beginning. 
of an answer to uh, against Charlotte because they are going to be able to get a lot of threes against this defense. How good can these boys shoot? We'll find it out quickly. You know, how good can Keon Johnson shoot? Can Vescovi continue to bomb? Has Pons gotten better at shooting the three? You're saying we should find that out on Wednesday. We should at least get a, a little look into it. Uh, and, and particularly a guy that I'm really interested in to see in the Charlotte game, because it sounds like he's going to start, is Josiah Jordan-James. You know, he shot 37% from three last year. Something a lot of people don't realize is he shot 43% from three in SEC play. He was just such a bad mid-range and mid-range shooter and couldn't convert it to the rim that people kind of forgot about it. And he didn't shoot enough so, threes. And he didn't shoot enough threes. He didn't shoot enough to overcome those the those deficiencies, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. He, I mean, he went, he shot 21 of 70 from, uh, on non-rim two-pointers last year, which is just horrendous. So it's, he should have a lot of looks from three if he wants him in this game. And you hope that he's become more confident as a shooter and that he is, you know, able to pull the trigger consistently when he's open. Seems as if Tennessee's non-conference schedule pretty easy this year outside of Kentucky, or excuse me, outside of Kansas and Gonzaga. Yes, uh, I, I'm really, I, I like that the, I think they kind of got out of a little of uh, what would have been a worse schedule. For instance, they could have opened the season at Wisconsin, which would have been a really tough draw. But uh, I'm really interested in those two games, obviously. But the third that uh, draws my curiosity if they're ever going to confirm it or not, which they still haven't, is that potential road game at Notre Dame, which uh, was temporarily scheduled for two days after Gonzaga. Uh, Notre Dame is not going to be like particularly great, but they play as an offensive style Tennessee really doesn't see much of, where it's kind of low and slow. They take a lot of threes. It's it's very Wisconsin-like. Uh, and they had a great offense for several years because they consistently had guys who could hit 40% of their attempts from downtown. Uh, I don't know that Notre Dame will have that this year, but it's going to be, if that game is played, it's going to be a really good test for Tennessee's perimeter defense. Anything else you want to uh, get on wax before the season, William? The floor is yours. Um, I I would like to note that I think the team is going to be significantly better come March than they will be on Wednesday. There's just a lot to work out. They got to figure out who are the best five down the stretch of a close game. Who's the best five to start a game? How you know how are rotations going to work? How many minutes are you going to give? Kind of the end of bench guys like Gaines and Kamwa. Uh, uh, plastics, uh, all those guys you got to figure out. Uros, but I forgot I, all I, about Uros. And unfortunately, we have forgotten about him. Uh, I think we're going to continue to forget about him personally. Um, I would like to see Tennessee. I, I want to see at least by March Tennessee consistently be in like the top fifteen, if not top ten, of defense on the analytics sites because I think that potential is there if they stay committed to it. And I really think the potential is there for them to force a lot of turnovers because they have the backcourt depth. Okay. All right, William, there's our preview. There it is. Thank you for uh, getting up and doing this on a Sunday morning. I'll try to get it edited. I got a family Thanksgiving I got to get to at 3 o'clock. The Titans play at 1. So hopefully I'll get it up before then. But uh, we'll do it again soon. Look, looking forward to your preview up on Wednesday. Um, Stats by Will on Twitter. Is that still the uh, handle? Mm-hmm. 
That is still the handle. I think that'll be the permanent handle until I figure out something less embarrassing. Yeah, gyrate, gyrate stats was embarrassing. It's true. Stats by Will. That's a brand there. All right, Will. It's true. Will Warren, appreciate you. Follow Will on Twitter. Stats by Will. Uh, join the Discord, patreon.com slash Reed's Ranch. We'll do it again soon. I'm pumped for this basketball team. Go ahead and make your official prediction. Where does this team uh, ultimately go this year? I'll say they get to the Elite Eight. Uh, I'll go out what on that What a coward. Uh, what a coward. Because coward. I think that's not cowardice. That's the, that ties the best Tennessee has ever done. An Elite Eight would be amazing. Any championships? They're going to win one of two. Uh, and honestly, I, until I see it happen with my own eyes, I continue to believe it would be the regular season championship, not the conference tournament. Because they have, they have found such a great number of ways to lose in the conference tournament that it would really, I'd have to see it happen to believe it. Okay, well, there you go. Elite Eight and getting to add a number to a banner. Good enough for us. Will, appreciate it. Like I said, check out his work. Stats by Will. We'll do it again soon. Talk to you later, brother. See you, bud.